Welcome. You are about to enter the Wooniverse. In five, four, three, two, one. Transport complete. Come inside a mystical, magical portal between worlds. You can feel the shift in air in the room. That, my friends, is your aura. Where playful curiosity leads the way and beyond. The true unsung heroes, the people on the front lines with us are guardian angels. You won't believe the ahas that come up in every single conversation. How do I tap into it and keep the good juju flowing? I can't wait to explore this enchanting space with you. Because I know our purpose here is to be divinely lit with inspiration, joy, and meaning. Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast coming to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine. Hi there, and welcome to Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine. I'm your host, Colette Baron Reed. Today, we are joined not by just one, but by two fantastic guests and dear friends of mine, Radley Valentine and Dougal Fraser. And let me start by saying that being friends with Radley is like having Harry Potter as your BFF. (laughs) Not only is he an angel communicator and tarot master, but he's also a celebrated spiritual teacher, speaker, and best-selling Hay House author and he's totally adorable. Radley brilliantly embodies the magic of life and continuously inspires audiences all over the world, bringing them angelic messages of pure love and unconditional support. Now, Dougal is an internationally renowned psychic, cosmic coach and author, and he's super famous in Japan, just letting you know. His expertise lies in deciphering the color energy surrounding us all. I mean, his parents used to say that from the time he could talk. All he talked about was seeing color and the energy around people. His connection to auras and energy will inspire you. I promise you that. Together, Radley and Dougal are, seriously, spiritual BFFs and Hay House colleagues who discovered interesting parallels between the worlds of angels and color energy. So they call their system angels and auras. They have an oracle deck and a certification program. And we are just so happy that I got both of you here at the same time. I'm super excited. Welcome to the Wooniverse, Bradley and Dougal. Hey. Good morning. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's dig in. I'm going to start with Radley. Radley, let us go back to the very, very beginning to itty bitty Radley. Now, what was your childhood like? <laughs> when did you start to sense guides and angels? Because I know that was pretty early for you. Yeah, I was five. I mean, I got my first like angel nudge when I was five years old. I don't, it's funny because I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to identify it. I was lucky because we're part Cherokee. And so my mom was like, I mean, half the time she was Methodist. The other time we were Cherokee mysticism. It was like, which way is the wind blowing? (laughs) So it's like, you know, when I started to talk about stuff like this, she was like, it's okay. This is cool. We're going to trust this. This is groovy. No worries. But I didn't really know what I was really doing. And, you know, I I don't think it was really until my early 20s where I really started to dive deep into the world of angels and spirituality and metaphysics that I started to go, oh, all of this is starting to make sense now. I was starting to hear my angels' voices, and I'm like, I know this voice. 
And so it, uh, I was just a, a little wee one in high weeds back then. So yeah. High weeds. I love that. And how did it make you feel? Did you ever feel somehow, you know, more connected to people, more disconnected? Was it to nature? You know, how did it really translate in your experience growing up as you as a person? Nobody has ever asked me that question. So I'm just going black, just spitting out the truth. I think it made me more distrustful of people because it's like immediately I was like, he's lying. He's lying. She's lying. That's not true. That isn't real. So I think that there was... I never thought about this before, but and, and I already was not trustful of people as a child anyway, because I was growing up gay in Knoxville, Tennessee in the 70s, not a fed combo. Mm-hmm. And and so I think all of those things already made me think people are not nice. And so I just basically, I, I, oh my goodness, I was a jaded child. <laughs> I never thought about Isn't it before. That funny? I was a Because you're not that at all. Oh, now. I'm not. I'm you not. Are, of all the friends, of all the people I know, I have never, A, heard you ever say a bad word about anybody when you could have. You have always been so open and kind and consistently loving to everybody. So I find that fascinating that you grew up a jaded girl. Well, but think yeah. about it. It's, it's kind of the other side of the coin, right? It's like if you see the world as that way and you don't want to be that way, the other side of the coin is to be honest. Right. Right? Is to be, you know, yeah. And Dougal and I are both people pleasers. We talk about this all the time. And it's <laughs> like, you know, I... There was also that aspect of my personality, which is like, I just wanted everybody to like me because nobody did in school. Mm. And so I just wanted everyone to like me. Oh, no, it's okay. It's all right. I wouldn't change a thing. (laughs) I wouldn't. I wouldn't change a thing because the thing about it is, is it made me who I am today. And all the sweet, super kind things you said about me, I think are there because of having the alternate experience. And I wonder, do you think that the angels helped you? I mean, again, growing up or the sense of something beyond this world, accept yourself more, love yourself more? Because really, I do think that the capacity to love others comes from a deep sense of self-acceptance, which I know you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I do think so. I think that when definitely, not to like ding school too much, but I mean, it was Tennessee and and, <laughs> and we were 49th in the country for education. So our motto was, thank God for Mississippi. So that, that, was, the edu- <laughs> that, was, that was our educational motto. And, you know, so it's like once I got out of school and started like being an adult-ish, you know, I, I think that's, and then right. really getting into spirituality that's where the self-acceptance came. That's where it was like, okay, the angels love me. They really, really love me. And that's where I started to be like, okay, I'm cool. I'm good. I'm all right. So yeah, I mean, I think angels helped me survive growing up, but then angels helped me thrive once I was an adult. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, what a great, great way of, of putting it. So Dougal, let's go back to your childhood, because I know you also, you know, became, I mean, when you were little, you were seeing it as did I too. Like I used to think that just meant everybody was holy because I kept seeing auras around everybody's big, nice thing I saw in church. So what was it like for you growing up in your family and the, the environment, the psychic environment? And what was your experience with that? So just like you said in the intro, you know, my earliest memory was standing in the crib and telling my parents that I was seeing energy and hearing voices. 
And similarly to Radley, I had a very sort of encouraging mother who was super curious about it and interested. There was a little bit of a divide with my parents. My dad sent me to the doctor to get my eyes checked and they wanted me to go to therapy because they were a little bit confused. But when I was eight, my mom took me to Lilydale and that's when I had my first reading. I know, I know. And I remember (laughs) the woman telling me that I had a red aura and it was the first time I had heard another person validate the experience that I was having, which was so cool. And I bought a deck of tarot cards and I got a crystal. But there was a lot going on in my family. You know, at age eight, my sister was diagnosed with leukemia. So the topic of mortality was sort of on the table. And then at school, I did a book report on kids having NDEs. And I did a diorama where I put cotton balls on the bottom and I hung angels from the top. And everybody's talking about like their favorite actor and their favorite sports you know, person. And I stand up and I'm like, did you know when people cross, they talk about seeing a light at the end of the tunnel? Like all of these ideas of the afterlife and spirituality were just sort of woven into who I was. But also to echo what Radley said, I think it was also survivor stuff. I'm a sexual abuse survivor. Mm -hmm. So my ability to read the room was about survival. Is this safe? Will you make fun of me? It was really about a survival tactic first before I even discovered, you know, spiritual awareness and self-help and inner growth and inner knowing. In the beginning, I think for me, it was really about survival. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So, yeah, I mean, I identify with this too. You're looking for potential threats and then, you know, you actually inadvertently develop the psychic muscle because you've got eyes in the back of your head is what could happen next. And the people pleasing thing is like, well, that's how we survive. Right. I have Libra rising. I always say I have people pleasing rising in my chart. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it, it, it wasn't until I started feeling safe that I thought, oh, this isn't just about, is there danger? This can also be about, is there magic and is there potential and is there love and is there awareness? Like it starts to shift once you feel safe for me. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's like a bridge. It's very cool. What inspired the two of you to create Angels and Auras course? You know, like here we are, fast forward to where we are now. I mean, you guys are hysterical together, but I've, I've seen you teach. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. So what brought you together to talk about this? Because I know so many people are so excited that you were able to bridge these two worlds and actually show people how easy it is to access this realm. So let's talk about that. Well, well, the first thing I want to say is that I have to point out for those who are listening to this podcast and cannot see that uh, Dougal was told that in his first reading that his aura was red and he is wearing a red shirt right now. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> And I'm the color expert. <laughs> I know, right? So I just had to point that out. So we, I mean, we first got connected because Dougal joined the Hay House family. And I already knew of Dougal's work. I had watched him on television. I already knew about him. So I reached out and said, hey. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we connected. And I mean, I think our first phone call was like 90 minutes. I mean, because it was just that way. The whole angels and auras thing, my favorite way of putting it is that, um, and it's, it dates us a little bit, but my way of putting it is that he got peanut butter on my chocolate and I got chocolate on his peanut butter <laughs> because we started talking, I started talking about angels as I'm wont to do. He started talking about auras and colors he was wont to do. And we started to sort of have this sort of flip out like on Hay House Radio I think, wasn't it? It was literally yeah, yeah. on House right. Video that we were flipping out going, but wait, what? Hey, wait. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and we noticed a connection. I think um, it was Joe Fiel was the first time we were doing a tandem reading. And I immediately said to the caller, I see pink around you. And you said, that's so interesting because Joe Fiel is here and she often presents herself in pink. And then I would start defining the color. And then at first, you know, we've been doing this for years. And we just kept saying, oh, that's so weird. How random. And then by like the 40th right. time, it was How like, random. huh. <laughs> That's not so random. That's not so random, right? This is like you have the color code for the angels built into what you see and experience. And isn't it interesting, though, that the language, I was, you know, the lexicon of imagery of consciousness that comes to us is filtered through what we're, you know, what we're meant to see. And for you, it's the color. Radley knows the name right. that goes with the color, right? And the two of you now are like, woo. And it really is very helpful for people to be able to make that connection to both the color and the angel and what it means and how you can have a relationship with this other realm of potentiality. Because really it is, I mean, angels really represent what is possible in all of us as well. Would you say that's true? Oh, yeah, because I think, I mean, there's also an element of the Brady Bunch in all of this, just to continue to date us back to the 70s, <laughs> is, and that is like, there was, dun, 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 dun. there's a story of a guy named Radley. <laughs> and, you know, and it's like I had all these students, and Dougal had his students. And so right. they just sort of like came together, you know, when we started to teach together. And what I felt like was so important and so valuable was the whole element of, the depth that it added to everything. You know, right. for my angel students, it was one thing to say that Archangel Michael was sapphire blue or that Jophiel was was fuchsia pink. But for them, it was almost like an identifier. It was a way for them to go, I'm seeing blue, so it, therefore it is Michael. Ah, uh, yeah, right. Therefore it is. It's right. right. It's, yeah. for, for him, it was, his students, it was like, well, blue means all of these things and then suddenly here's this angel that's blue that helps with all of those things. Right. And yeah. Yes, that's so great. So it, it really created this blending of disciplines that deepened everything for both families. So let me ask you a question. Who's kind of cotton candy pale pink? Because that's what I'm tuning into right now. That's Ariel. Um, so okay. Ariel is the archangel of like abundance and prosperity. Right on. But she's also the archangel of the natural kingdom. Now, if that pink for you is just a little bit deeper, a little bit more fuchsia, lighter. then that's Jophiel, a lighter. lighter. Okay, yeah. so then that's Ariel. poofy. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's really interesting too is that is that, you know, I kind of think of you as, you know, with your auburn, burgundy kind of reddish hair. Ariel has red hair to me. And mm, and she has go. a lot of qualities that you do. She's very much into animals. She really loves animals. It's a uh -huh. big thing for her. If Ariel had a religion, she'd be an animist. She, right, and I'm an animist. Exactly. I mean, yeah, she that's would, what because I am. <laughs> everything has life to Ariel. So uh, there's a reason why she would hang with you. Oh, wow. I love it. So I'm, I'm going to ask you, Radley, because I know that there's some confusion for some people, right? And, and I know some of the listeners are going to be, they know what angels are, they know what auras are, but some people don't. So um, why do people confuse angels with spirit guides? Can you explain the difference between the two of them? Yeah, yeah, because apples, oranges, um, you know. Right. 
Both are fruit. Passed over loved ones, <laughs> apples, oranges, <laughs> bananas. I mean, you know, it's like, so the thing that I always tell people is that angels are messengers of God. Most of their names end in E-L, which means of God. Of God, uh-huh. um, They are extensions of the divine, of source, of the universe, of goddess. I don't care which word you use, potato, potato. Um, but the, th- the thing about angels is that they are omnipresent. They are always present in all ways and all things. You can ask Archangel Michael something, as so can 7 billion other people ask Archangel Michael. And what I love about angels is what I also love about the divine is not putting either thing in a box. Right. Uh-huh. Because they don't fit in a box. And so we tend to humanize right. these things. We try to say, oh, Archangel Michael's the head of all the archangels. No, the archangels don't need a hierarchy. They don't need one. Right? So, Whereas the spirit guides are more like Brad from Buffalo. I agree. I mean, exactly. Right? So as opposed to Gabriel from God. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. It's like people say all the time, well, my grandmother is my guardian angel. Well, no. I mean, is your guardian angel, is your grandmother with you all the time? Sure. But she is not uh-huh. an angel. It's not the same thing. The, these are literal extensions of the divine of source and for the most part have not had a human incarnation. Right, right, right. So spirit guides typically, because, you know, I was on tour with Sylvia Brown for a long time, many, many years ago in 2006 or something, and she would like spit out all these names and it did sound like, you know, it's Myrtle from... uh, uh, Stockholm. Or, or like, you know, that sounds very like much Brad like from her, Buffalo. Yes. And I'd be like, who? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't think I have those kind of people. Uh, so, <laughs> I don't know. I was always really curious about that because I don't, uh, yeah. I like that you use the word curious about that. <laughs> yeah, I was very curious. It was very curious. Yes. No, because it, it's funny because I, I know a lot of people are really connected to spirit guides and I have this sense of their guides in the hidden realms, but they are, they more uh, and they, they're not boxed in. They have, they're more amorphous. I agree with mm-hmm. you, Colette. People always ask me in sessions, what's my spirit guide's name? And I feel like that's the human part of us that wants to give them a name and a title right. and a history. But to me, when I'm like super clear, to me, it sounds like a symposium of energy right. that sort of presents itself in one voice. And sometimes they've taken shape and I've seen hair, but I believe that's my brain trying to understand what's going on. This is so interesting because, you know, when I had finished uh, Messages from Spirit, my TV show, I was so fried because I had done, I don't know how many, three shows a day for 30 days or whatever. And then I was like, so by the end of it, I couldn't hold myself together. And so I kept hearing a chorus of voices that called yes. themselves Fred. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, who are you? Fred, 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 Fred. Like, we, we are, are Fred. Fred. You are we. You are we. <laughs> I no serious, and I'm like, and then they kept showing me pic. Oh my god, I wrote about it in my book Uncharted about the experience of tuning into these voices that sounded like they felt like angels, but they wanted me to 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 look up their name, which was Fred, and then they showed me Garth from Wayne's World, and I never saw Wayne's World, so I had to call around and go, what's that character that that guy with the wig played in Saturday Night Live? I couldn't, because I never saw the the movie. And then I realized, oh my God, this is the ruler of peace, and to look after the garden, because Garth represented the garden, and I'm like, I am freaking out now. <laughs> and it didn't, it didn't, wasn't consistent, so it's like, I and, and I would never tell anybody that it was, but it, for a period of time, I heard a chorus called Fred, you know, that was very present, but they weren't like the spirit guides that like 
that I know to be a spirit guide. And and as a medium, I tune into people who've crossed over and God forbid I've ever had one of them follow me around. I don't want them as guides. <laughs> like, go away and get your, go get your shit together and come back. Right? So, I used to think I was doing it wrong because I didn't have a specific spirit guide because I would look up to other too. spiritual teachers who had one with a very specific name and this really specific relationship. And mine always felt like it was evolving and transforming and shifting. So to me, I always say to clients, it's kind of like, you're listening to an orchestra and the music is beautiful, but you're asking me to pause and talk about one violin. Right. And we can do that and we can stop and we can, but you're going to miss the music. Oh my God. That's so interesting that you said Do you know that. what I mean? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's very interesting. It was very musical. That's, that's a really interesting thing and you don't want to take them apart. Okay. So um, I have so many questions. Okay. Dougal, back to you again. Why is color so important? You know, you have such a, a way of, of seeing this and teaching people. What are some of the aura colors and their meanings? Because I know that you don't go through the, sh- the colors according to the chakras, for example. It's something very different. Your color scope is different. Um, and I'm curious. And then Radley, I'd love to talk to you about how they match the angels. So maybe one color at a time, you guys figure it out. So basically, the reason I love the language of color is that it's tangible. It doesn't matter what religious background you're from, your age group, where you're born in the world. If I ask someone what their favorite color is, they immediately have an answer. So it's already a conversation. In the world of spirituality, sometimes we think of things like chakras. And I think, well, am I really opening my root chakra? Like, can I see it? Can I feel it? So sometimes it feels a little bit abstract. If I ask someone to visualize the color green and they become still with the color green, they Mm -hmm. actually begin to visualize it. They understand it. You can surround yourself with it. Even when you were talking earlier about the color pink, every single person pretty much has some kind of a relationship with pink. They like it. They dislike it. So it's just a conversation starter. It's a good bridge between worlds. When it comes to the aura, it's the one body of work that is not stagnant. Meaning when you're born, your astrology chart pretty much stays the same. Your numerology stays the same. It's fixed. But your aura, depending on the environment and the topic, is constantly changing. If you're at a holiday meal and Uncle Joe says something unpleasant at the table, the whole family's vibe shifts. You can feel the shift of the air in the room. That, my friends, is your aura reacting to the environment. So the color changes, the vibration changes, the feeling changes. And what I love about that awareness is knowing that we can use color both physically and from our imagination or a spiritual perspective to shift the energy of the room. If I see red around someone, they're really emotional. They're an empath. They're sensitive. They feel the energy of other people. They're curious about the energy exchange. They tend to be healers. I might prescribe gold to them for balance, which is more practical. It's thought, it's vision, it's thinking. Mm -hmm. So we can shift our energy according to what we need in the environment or what makes us feel best. And I just think that's super, super cool. (laughs) Me too. Um, So how about picking out a few colors that Radley can match? Like you have a spectrum. I know there's, there's so many different versions of that spectrum, but let's just pick out a few of them. And if Radley could say, like, you can tell me, what does it mean to a person studying the aura? And then Radley can say, okay, but, and here is how it matches in the angelic realm. Could we do that? Okay, cool. So in the Oracle deck, what we did is we have 12 core cards that represent 12 colors that are sort of like a personal journey. It's like a personal exploration. 
So let's start with blue, which is one of our favorite cards. For me, blue has always looked like stacks and stacks of books because it's the color of truth and wisdom. Anytime I see blue around someone, I see stacks and stacks of books in front of them, behind them, to the side, because this person loves information. Truth, it's about protection, it's about knowing, it's about feeling safe, it's really deep and exploratory. So a blue person is oftentimes trying to make sure that other people are being treated well, they want to make sure that they're safe and they're protected, but it's really about gaining enough wisdom as possible to be independent and set things in motion. And so for Rad, one of the things we discovered with blue is, Radley, that it represents Archangel Michael. So in that in this particular deck, we have this image of Archangel Michael. It's all sapphire blue, and Michael is sitting at a desk, and it looks like a library. He's got this book open. You can think of it as the Book of Wisdom. There are all these books on either side of him that are stacked high because his desire, his knowledge for wisdom and truth is literally insatiable. It is just as omnipresent as Archangel Michael is. He has in his lap, just barely out of view, the Sword of Truth that he carries with him. It is a sort of light from which he uses to sever energetic connections to the things that are unhealthy and undivine for us. And so we both love Michael for this particular image. We love him for that particular aspect of the fact that he is so radiantly blue, so much about the truth, so much about honesty, so much about wisdom, so much about the mm-hmm. things that are truly the good things about the human beings and human race. And that just matches perfectly what Dougal just said. But it's also really important, Colette, that Michael be nerdy cute. Michael is oftentimes, yeah, oftentimes he's seen as like this, you know, warrior sort of energy and like, but this time we were like, we need him to be nerdy cute, like book smart, like super (laughs) cute glasses. This is, this is what we do like behind the scenes. I love it. What's really interesting about that is that that was one of the things that that Dougal was like, he needs to be nerdy cute. A lot of people really perceive Archangel Michael to being super hunky. He's got lots of muscles. He's in armor. He's got long blonde hair and blue eyes. A warrior. He's never shown himself to me like that. My Archangel Michael is Clark Kent. Okay, he's got the glasses. He he is super cute. He is handsome, but it's none of that grandiose stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that version of Archangel Mm -hmm. Michael because the angels are omnipresent. They have the ability to present themselves to everybody in the way that they need to see them. It doesn't make sense to present to a young African-American girl, this blonde, hunky Archangel Michael. That's not how she's going to see him. And so we tried to like make sure that, that we were way more diverse than that. But, you know, it's like for us, he said it and I'm like, but that's how I see him. So right. it just continued that way. I love that. What about turquoise? Is there a turquoise relationship between a color description and an angel? Do you want to start this time around? Yeah, there is. <laughs> shock, shock. So um, there's... My favorite color. Is that your favorite color, Colette? Yes. That's interesting. Well, it's one of my favorite colors too. So dude, you're just surrounded. So surrender. <laughs> it, it's like, so Archangel Sandofan is this archangel. He's known to be the archangel of music, Colette, ah. but he's also <laughs> known to be the archangel of prayer. And so Archangel oh, Sandofan yeah. is said to be this archangel whose feet are on earth and his head is in heaven or on the other side of the veil. And his job is to literally gather up all the prayer 
prayers of the people of earth and weave them into a beautiful wreath that he takes and lays at the throne of source so that each prayer can be individually answered and read. And then those information can come back down to people in a way in which they can interpret. So it's a, it's this color of faith and it's this color of forgiveness. It's this color of this whole element of nothing that we do is so um egregious that the source and divine doesn't still just adore us and think we're the cutest little cutie pie that ever existed because that's how source sees us. You just described pretty much everything I teach. That's pretty wild. I had no idea. That's wild. And Dougal, in your aura speak, what does turquoise represent? So first of all, I'm fascinated that both of you are, that's your favorite color, because turquoise is considered an ascension color. It's a color of ascension. It's considered the color of kindness and forgiveness. But what I describe is that when turquoise comes to someone, typically they've gone through something so intense, so in deep, that they have to rise above third dimension. Mm -hmm. They have to seek for something so pure to understand it, to gain wisdom. Typically, it's been a pretty big trauma. So that's why I call it a color of ascension. It's like I have to go really, really deep here. And then even though the wound may be big, the universe is still asking you to be kind. I mean, everybody that's listening to this, we've all gone through stuff, right? And we have a choice. We can become bitter and resentful and shut down, or we can use it as fuel for wisdom and to become stronger and more positive and more loving and more glowing. So turquoise in particular is a pretty powerful color. For me, again, not to go back to sexual abuse, but that's when turquoise presented itself is how do you make sense of something so big? How do you make sense of something so painful and still find wisdom in it? So turquoise taught me how to forgive mm-hmm. and forgiveness is a journey. You know, it's, it's not, it's not linear. You know, I have to forgive sometimes multiple times a day, sometimes multiple times an hour, but it teaches me to rise above mm-hmm. and find pure divine information. And that's why I like Bradley talking about prayers. So if it's a color of ascension, right, there's all these hopes and dreams and questions being sent to the universe. And so turquoise sort of helps us rise up and tune into that. Yeah, and I really believe that we weave the world into being. So I love that image of the woven wreath that you bring to the foot of source because source, you know, God is the source of our supply, right? So events, material world is an attribute of source, not the main event. Okay, one more color. Um, I'm going to throw it out because who knows? What about lavender? So we're going to purple for lavender. Which we're, said, yep, we're doing yeah. purple. We're like doing purple. purple. Yes. You want to start? Yeah. So purple to me, first of all, color. That's the color that I see around you. That's I see purple and blue around you. So purple is considered really? the color of leadership and destiny. Okay. If you see a teeny tiny amount of purple around someone, it means that they're on the right path. If you see a lot of purple around someone, it means they're on the right path. But purple is also about empowering other people to be leaders. A purple wants other people to feel like they're on the right path. They want people to feel empowered. They want, you know, justice for the world and people to be uh, treated fairly. It's, It's a curious color. It's movement of energy, but it's a really, really powerful color for leadership. Right. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll receive that. What about you, Radley? Who, who's on tap for purple? That leads us to Archangel Zadkiel. Z-A-D-K-I-E-L. Zadkiel. Somebody just told me they saw Zadkiel around me on the weekend. Really? That's so weird. 
Yes. Thank you, folks. Our work here is done. We hope you've enjoyed your podcast. <laughs> ah, that's crazy. No. See, I, you can tell that I don't know a whole lot about this, but I love hearing about it. But isn't that the whole example, Radley, though? So there's the twofold message. I say that I see purple around Colette, and then she goes, I'll accept that. And then she said, but someone just said that they saw that around me. That's so right. that's the universe is where I'm being like, hello. This past weekend. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very cool. Well, it, it absolutely is because it's like Zadkiel is all about that whole element of also forgiveness. I mean, Zadkiel is all about this element of it's like I see the world in a certain way and I am going to be loving and beloved of it. And, mm-hmm. and therefore nothing is condemning in any way that is of significance. Right. And, and Zadkiel is a leader. Zadkiel is the archangel that really does help us to be able to speak to our ability to intellectualize the right way mm-hmm. to go in our lives that can take us where we need to be. So there's this whole element of that message of you are on the right path. You are headed in the right direction. Everything is going to be okay. My mantra these days is everything is going to be all right because it always is. It always is. Yeah. It's a peaceful mantra and that's Zadkiel. Mm, I love that. Okay. We're going to take a little pause. More with Radley Valentine and Dougal Fraser when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. So Radley, my next question is, how does your course and Oracle deck teach people to connect with angel and auras and and what kind of activities or exercises are involved? Like this conversation is great. So would this be something that would be a a common conversation in your course and the decks? How do people use this or experience it with you? Well, there's the deck, if I I step there for just a second, you know, I'm a Tarotist. I can't, you know, I love my Oracle card decks, but I'm at heart, I'm a Tarotist. And so Angels and Auras actually has a slight element of that in it. And so we have these 12 primary cards that are these significant combinations of angels and and auras. And it's like the 12 cards. So in a way, it's like the major arcana of our oracle card deck. And then the rest of the cards are more minor arcana. They're more about this whole element of what is life like in its in particular. And so we've got these elements of these stories and we've got this element in the cards that is... um, Dougal basically giving a color prescription of how to manage those experiences. But one of the things that I think that we're particularly proud of is something that is very, very, very uncommon in uh, Oracle card deck. And that is the cards are literally designed to be red reversed. Oh, interesting. That's so yeah. uh, mine are always designed to be re- red reversed too. Uh, most aren't. And it's like these in particular there's a message that's upside right and a message that is upside down. Right, right. And so if there are words that are upside right and words that are upside down, so that if it flips upside down, you can read what the shadow message is. I love that. And I I think from the perspective of seeing energy, and I know both of you will understand this, whenever I'm, first of all, anybody can see an aura. That's Mm -hmm. my belief system. I try to use the word perceive because people become really attached to seeing energy. Yeah, perceive. Yeah. So the goal with the deck is to take that off the table at first. If you pull a card and it's pink, we're going to start with pink. That's the energy that we're going with. You don't have to worry about seeing it. And then when we release that expectation, that's when energy really starts to begin. Because the brain, I mean, I've been doing this for so long, and my brain will still think, am I going to see color? Is it going to happen? <laughs> and if the brain gets too attached to that experience, we we really release having a powerful mystical experience. 
decisions. So part of the deck is let's take that off the table. You're going to pull a card. It's going to have a color. You can immediately connect with a color. That's then going to lead you to an angel. So information is going to start to flow. But again, at the end of the day, we are the vessels of energy. You know, right. just because I have a wrench in my house doesn't mean I can fix my sink. You know, I need to know something <laughs> about plumbing. There needs to be an expert. So the decks, any spiritual tool is an extension of who you are. It's an extension of the divine. It's inspiration. So it's going to open the door for you to relax and begin to connect with energy. That's really the intention from the aura side to just take that off the table. Let's see what spirit is starting to say, and then let it become playful and fun. I love that. I love that. Bradley, can you give us some, I know you have so many stories, all right? You have, you're the best storyteller. Actually, you both are really great storytellers. So I'd love to hear some of the more memorable stories that you have with angel encounters that were life-changing either for yourself or other people. I think that my greatest, most powerful moments are actually not with the archangels. People are really driven, I think, to loving the archangels because we as human beings really like experts and we really like categories. Mm -hmm. And so we like it that Archangel Michael is wisdom and truth and safety and protection. And Raphael is a a physical healing and, and romantic relationships. And so we like that. It's, it's like it fits in with Dougal's um, metaphor of you don't call Michael to fix your plumbing because he's a carpenter. Right. Right. And so we as human beings, we really like that. And the, the archangels, by their very nature and their description, it's a very sexy concept, not sexy from the standpoint of like, you know, it's <laughs> no, a no, sexy concept. And so yeah. human beings are drawn to that. But the true unsung heroes, the true people on the front lines with us are guardian angels. They're the ones that are with us 24 seven. They're designed by their very nature to be with us, to be unconditionally loving. They follow us lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. They know things about ourselves. We haven't the vaguest clue about. And so my most powerful experiences really have been with guardian angels. Um, whether it was meeting my mm-hmm. primary guardian angel for the first time, Joshua, or it was just being a 19 year old who'd fallen in love for the very first time and been broken up with and, and literally being in the backyard crying on the hood of my mother's Ford galaxy, <laughs> you know, and literally hearing an angel say, you're going to be all right. You will be loved again. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I'm, I remember being absolutely distraught and hearing that, and the tears just stopped. Uh-huh. It just stopped. And I literally, I just stood up and was like, oh. And so it's, it's angels can help us in these significant, big, amazing, powerful ways And they can also help us in small, beautiful, kind ways. And the intensity of the love, the power of the unconditionalness of it, makes neither one of those greater than the others because they're both so designed to resonate with our souls that miracles abound, just small and large. They just do. I love the way you said that because I've had three angel encounters my whole life. The first one was 
just before I got clean and sober, I, I hit bottom and I was a drug addict. Most people know that I'm in recovery 37 and a half years now, maybe longer by the time this airs. But, um, you know, I was, no, I had not slept or bathed. I was, I had, you know, been in a drug dealer's house. I was holding on to a sink in a bathroom, looking at myself in the mirror and, and seeing myself as I really was and knew I was going to die. If, if I didn't change, I didn't know how. And I just said, help me. It was the first time in my life I ever knew what real surrender was. And there was this really strange, tangible light that came around me. And I heard, I didn't hear in the, the voice like in my ear, I heard it resounding in my whole being. It's over. Mm-hmm. And I felt so protected I had no idea what was going to happen next, but I knew I never had to go back there and that I was about to walk into a new life. And that is so tangible. And then the next time was when I actually did see something where I was doing, I was an aromatherapist, I was doing a massage and I I could feel myself leaving my body. And like my, my arms were still going like this and my feet were being pulled out of my shoes. And I was like, oh, where, oh no, oh no. And I, and I was like, where is this, what is happening? And the next thing you know, I was in this like really freaky building and the floor was like a checkerboard. And uh, there were all these like columns and this humongous being of light, like that was so tall, like tall as a building looked down at me. It didn't really have a face. I really wasn't sure what it was. It scared the living bejesus out of me. I was like, oh my God. And then it picked me up. It scooped me up. And I saw what looked like supposedly feathers, but it was really filaments of light that looked like feathers. And I was poking at it going, oh my God, you must be an angel. I remember saying that. I am I am clean and sober. This is not possible. Right? And, then, and then it was, it hummed at me. It hummed. Was the, I will never forget that as long as I lived. And then when everybody was doing those silly angel dances in the 80s, like I'm totally dating myself now, but I was like, okay, like the harmonic convergence or whatever. So I was like, okay, I saw this angel. I'm going to call it back. It's coming. Nothing happened. And I was like really pissed off. Everybody was talking about their angels. and But this really changed me beyond belief. I, I was in shock for like ever. And then one day completely, when I gave it up and thought, okay, whatever, like whatever. And then I imagine in a, in a meditation, the next thing I was at the edge of a cliff and the same angel with this wing, not wing, like it wasn't really a wing, but it looked like a wing. And I'm going, this is why they painted it. It's not really wings. It's that that came around me and I just knew I'd be okay. And, it, and that was the last time I've ever seen that. But I, I know angels are real. I, I love that you were swooped up into a room that had a checkerboard floor. Cause to me, that's like the game of life. Mm. It's right? like you were literally picked up as a chess piece. And, and like, it's yeah. like, here's where you are in the, in the game of life right now. I'm just going to hold you and squeeze you and call your name, George. And then I'm going to put you back down. That's a Bugs Bunny reference, by the way, <laughs> and put you back down on the chess piece and you'll never be the same. Because you moved. I was never the same. And, and that's the way angels are. I think that one of the things that people get confused about and they have, to, they have to stop to remember is that we have these powerful experiences and we are constantly in search of the next one. Right. Once you've had one, you just want the next one. It is a little bit like a drug thing. It's like once you've had the high, you just want the next one. Yeah. You want to go get it again. Hurry up. Come back. Come back. Come back. Right. And (laughs) and angels are a spiritual high. Yeah. And yet, unfortunately, our existence in this domain and this incarnation is that you don't get to live there. No. 
And so, so they show up when we need them the most and they show up to literally help us to remember that it's real. Yeah. And and that the high is there, but you're going to have to go through the game of life the way you were destined to go through it. Yeah, and there's way more to the story which I won't share, but thank you. This this makes this is a really interesting description. So Dougal, have you ever had a really jarring experience? with reading an aura or seeing someone's aura? Yeah, I think one of the first most jarring experiences for me was I was probably 16 or 17 and I was in chemistry class Mm -hmm. and I used to be made fun of a lot. So as the class clown, I would deflect attention to the teacher Sure. and I would make fun of them. And if I'm going to be fully vulnerable and totally honest, tear them apart, like terrible, terrible things. And I remember sitting in class and our chemistry teacher was fairly confident and physically looked like it didn't bother her. And I just said something that really cut deep and I immediately saw her energy and it was completely different. And I, I will never forget it. I remember pausing and thinking, first of all, my words, my energy, my behavior can actually affect the soul and vibration of another person. So there's big responsibility for me there. We leave an imprint, like our aura leaves an imprint on the room. It can change the energy of other people. And it was sort of, there's, when an aura is sort of aggravated, it gets this really bright, sort of vibrant, almost on fire, if you will, kind of look to it. And that means it's irritated or it's activated or it's triggered in some way. And I could see the difference between her divine self versus what she was portraying as her physical self. So interesting. And I just remember stopping and thinking, I cannot cause other people pain because I am in pain. That's not the direction that I want to go in. And so when you see someone's energy, whether it's your own or somebody else's, there's this moment of pause that there's something bigger going on, that we radiate, that we sparkle. Mm -hmm. And sometimes environments make us sparkle less, whether it's because we're being confined or criticized or judged or can't be our most authentic self. And I just think it's interesting collectively that, and this may sound simple, but if we choose kindness, if we hold space for each other, if we used positive words, people radiate and they sparkle. And that's what I want to do. Like, and mm-hmm. fundamentally, that's the kind of friends that I want, the kind of family that I want, the kind of work that I want. Like, let's just sparkle because why not? I 100% agree with you. 100,000 million percent. I mean, it is simple, but don't we overcomplicate everything? I mean, truly. Yeah. Truly, the simple way, I think, is the right way. And the other thing is, too, is that our biggest issue is that we are separate from God. I mean, and we continue to act, you know, through that lens of scarcity, etc. And just giving kindness and compassion and love opens up a kind of abundance that is so much more meaningful than chasing things and fighting for things, etc. You know, I I agree with you 100%. Um, let me ask you a question about this. One mm. day I was in a bar. I'm not, I don't go to bars <laughs> now, obviously. I, <laughs> back but, in the yeah, day I was in a I bar. But I actually, I went, <laughs> back in the day, um, and I saw somebody, and I've never forgotten this, and I've, I've actually never talked to you about this, but I actually saw someone that had a black energy around them. And it was very like you were looking at a black hole in a way, but it was like mm. no the matte, yeah. like matte black, like yeah. it didn't shine. There yeah. was that, right? And I was really frightened. What What is that? You know, it's interesting. This is a big joke that people will say with me, like, oh, I bet you see black or brown in my aura as if earth tones are a bad thing. And they're not. Like earth tones are 
powerfully, powerfully um, informational, and they have a lot to sort of give us. Earth tones are typically about grounding. So black, when it's at its light form, is more like obsidian. If it sparkles, if it radiates, this person is really grounded. This person is connected to goddess energy. If it is matte or opaque, this person is ungrounded. Right. Probably has a challenge with their mother. Maybe is doing something that's actually taking them out of their body. So here you are in a bar, right? Most people don't go to a bar to feel grounded and integrated in their bar. No. They go to a bar to be out of their body. So if you're seeing black, it's not a bad thing. It's nothing to be afraid of. No, I get it. I get it. Exactly. But it's a symbol that this person needs grounded with any aura color. If it is opaque, it is leaning towards the shadow. If it is clear and it's light and it's sparkly, then everything's going pretty well with that color. But if it's opaque, there's a lesson there. Uh Black, brown, gray. This is also interesting about these colors. You notice people who are highly creative wearing a lot of black, brown, and gray, and that's because they have so many ideas, so many things going through them. They want to be grounded. Some Mm. of the most popular designers out there, like fashion designers who work with all this beautiful color and all these shapes and sizes, always just wear all black. And that's because they're so overstimulated, they want to feel grounded. So in that situation, my guess is that person was particularly ungrounded and maybe even had some wounds connected to their mother. Oh, that was very interesting. You said the wound connected to the mother because I I had an intuitive hit that this was a misogynist Mm, because he was, you know, and he was very attractive, really good looking guy that was kind of, and I was like, ooh, ooh, danger, danger. Don't go near this person, right? And Yeah, yeah. because it can even be materialism. Like if someone has a lot of um, earth tones in their aura, that means they're too attached to the third dimension, especially if they're opaque. And so if we think of feminine and goddess energy, we want to remember that plants are beautiful and mother nature is beautiful and, you know, the things the earth can provide on its own aside from material things. But yeah, it's a super, super powerful color. Um, Bradley, have you ever had a very jarring and upsetting, you know, like everybody always talks about angels. Like I was scared shitless of my angel, just so you know. <laughs> so I was like, who are you? Oh my God, put me down, put me down, put me down. <laughs> like, I don't know if I like this. And why do you know everything about me? Like, <laughs> it was really freaky. But after that, I really say that that I did feel a lot of love. But let's say, has there have you ever had to call on an angel because you felt somehow threatened or that you, you know, you were in a situation that was threatening? I mean, I talk to the angels every single day. I mean, it's like I literally have a mantra that I do morning and night that's you know, and you can look at it from I guess from a standpoint that a lot of my prayers are Oh, in football, there's the deep <laughs> oh, offensive. It's, it's almost like an offensive, offensive right. standpoint. It's like, Jarek Angel Michael, right. please bless and protect my family, keeping them safe and free from harm in all ways, medical and physical. Let them, and I mean, it's like, it's this whole thing. And it's, it's about this angel for safety and protection and this angel for abundance and prosperity and this angel to protect my children, my dogs. And yeah, so I do that every day, but Literally every time something seems weird or off or strange, I pick the archangel. This is where I really do. I ask for my guardian angels, but I also bring in the in the 
the archangels because why not? They're there. Right. And, They're available. And so, yeah, I do that all the time. And we as human beings do, I think, have this tendency to forget to pray from the standpoint of thank you for all the wonderful things. And instead, we're like, the, oh, my God, save me. Um, those right. kinds of prayers, yes. right? And so um, I think everybody, including me, yeah. has these moments where it's like, oh, my God, save me. I think I'm probably, <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty grounded person, I think, for the most part. So I don't tend to panic. But um, my husband right. panics enough for everybody. So I. As does David, as does Dougal. He's a panicker. Right? Yeah. yeah. David's a panicker. <laughs> He's yeah. a panicker too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. David and Lee are both panickers. Um, but it's like, I do ask for angels' help all the time. But the thing that I just really want people to get is that you don't have to wait until it's an emergency, until right. it's a disaster. We have this thing that we do um, where it's like if we need a parking space, we ask for the help of an angel whose name is Walter. And that has this whole long thing where it's just like, Walter, we need a parking Bradley's space. Bradley's Walter, please <laughs> right. help us. I'm serious. <laughs> it works. Try it. I mean, it's like, try it. It's crazy. We have a parking ferry. Okay. Whatever. Uh, so Same, just, yeah, just, I'm, I send out a parking ferry, but I'm maybe it's Walter and I didn't know. Right? <laughs> I mean, in the end, I'm a quintuple Sagittarius. Nothing matters more than faith. Faith is everything. Yeah. And so it's, it's where is your faith? Is your faith on this joyful, mm-hmm. uplifting version of the reality you're trying to create? Or is your faith in this element of everything that will go wrong. It's like right now, Lee can't stop saying it's always something. I'm just like, if you don't stop saying that, I am just literally not going to see you anymore. It's always something good. It's always something great. There, thank you. I'm going to say that to him. But it's like, we have to be in a place of faith about what we want. It doesn't matter if we have faith that it's Walter. Where I live, you're supposed to say dinosaur, 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 and you get a parking space. I mean, why does that make sense? Well, she is angelic. It, it does work, you know. Right. But can I say, Colette, one of the things that I sort of learned from Radley when we first started becoming friends was the world of angels was something that I really hadn't studied. I'd studied, dabbled, if you will, and just about most major categories of metaphysics. And I kept asking myself, why did I never really explore this world? And Radley and I would text each other and maybe I'd say, oh, you know, I'm waiting on something. And he'd tell me, we'll call on this angel. Or, you know, I stubbed my toe. We'll ask for healing with this angel. And we started talking and he would always talk about how you just have to ask for their help. Not to, Mm -hmm. you know, Radley would say that they're sort of shackled. And if you don't ask for them, they won't step in which was such a light bulb moment for me because a huge weakness of mine is asking for help. Right, me too. I have this belief system that I have to do it on my own. And every time Radley would say, well, did you ask for this person? I'd think, why aren't I asking for help? Mm, interesting. Like, what's wrong with saying, universe, I need you to support me versus guide me or but like I need some help today. That has been, aside from Radley being a fabulous friend, that has been... The most interesting (laughs) wisdom for me to weave into my own life personally that I or we, for everyone listening, are allowed to ask for help. That's huge. It is huge. It is huge. I remember being first introduced to the angel work that I found to be very profound was through John Randolph Price. Oh, yeah. He did a book. Yeah, you would know this book for sure because it was written back in the 80s or 70s or 80s. I think it was called Angels Within Us or Ask Your Angels, one or the two. I don't remember the name of it, or, or could have been both. And for a time, I was very interested. Then I 
stopped being interested. And all of a sudden lately I started being interested again. So I wanted to go find that. But then I realized why well, I'm friends with Bradley. I can just <laughs> read his book. <laughs> why would I, or like, go get, you go can get just text me. And- <laughs> I can just text him in the morning with coffee and asking, so what do I do now? But, uh, I, I love that. I think it's, and I do think people need them now. So let's just talk about angels with the state of the world. What do you think, um, angels, what role do they play in the current state of the world and how can we work with them to promote healing and unity? I know it's a big question, but. No, 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 no. I, I love that. So there is an archangel whose name is Shamuel, C-H-A-M-U-E-L, and he comes in a pale green. And this archangel, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of lore around this particular archangel that are things that are kind of like, eh, whatever. But the thing that I think that is the most important is that he is the archangel of personal and global peace. And, and mm-hmm. I believe that those things are tied because global peace doesn't come without personal peace. It is, it is where we as a human race are disconnected from our own personal peace that we find ourselves in, in global turmoil. And mm-hmm. I, I do believe that um, while things are not perfect, I think things, in my personal opinion, things are not designed to be perfect on planet Earth. It's, it's mm-hmm. a classroom right. of the roughest and rumble version it's 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 school in the bad part of town galactically speaking and and so i think things without the angels would be far more dire if not over right and Mm -hmm. i think the angels really have this whole element of trying to hold this mess um that we call the human experience together for us on a personal space. I wonder if it's a human experiment. I think it I think it is an experiment, but I also sort of think that you know, we talk about this whole concept of people who oh, they're a very old soul and you know and and I believe that stuff, but I also sometimes really do wonder if there are any young souls on earth because I don't think they'd last long. Right. I, yeah. Sometimes I think that Earth is like this place we go when it's like, I've already made it to level 87 in the video game. <laughs> I'm going to level and can 88. Can I please get out? And the only way to get there <laughs> is Earth. Right. Yeah. 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 I get it. And, and I also have this belief system, just to follow that through, is that we talk about, you know, it's like on, when we're here, we're like, I'm never coming back here. I'm never doing this again. I am done. This is my last incarnation, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. But I think that life on earth is a little bit like Disney. It's like you ride the scariest roller coaster right. and then you get off and go, Woo-wee, that was fun. And we get right back into the queue, you know. Because, right. <laughs> and, and so I think we do that here a little bit too, though I am still hoping for a better assignment next time. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. So Dougal, what do you think that auras play in the current state of the world? Like, like, because we can call in color, can we not? Mm, Of course, yeah. So do you think if we could individually call in color, could we diffuse, like there's so much polarization and divisiveness out there right now. I mean, there's so much hatred. Like one would think that it should be getting better. And to me, it looks like it's getting worse. Now, not in my world, because I I don't focus on all of that. 
because I know that I will not be able to function if that's all I see. So I have to find some way of, of creating beauty yeah. like you do, right? You know, over here to counterbalance it. But I wonder if there could be a color we could call in to help also. That'd be pretty simple, would it not? Yeah, I don't know if it's getting worse. I just wonder if we're seeing it through a clearer lens or we're right. hearing yeah. it differently. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Radley said something interesting. When I see the state of the world as an empath, as an intuitive, as a light worker, sometimes other issues and challenges of the world feel bigger than my mind can comprehend. Yeah. And what happens is I move into this apathetic state of there's nothing that I can do. And that's not true. Our state of being, our vibration actually makes a difference on the planet. Right. Mm -hmm. And we have to remember those things, that there may be something going on in another time zone or another part of the world, and it may feel too far outside of your backyard. But if you meditate and you visualize whatever color you want, purple, gold, pink, red, green, whatever it is, and then you wear that color and you go to the grocery store and you exude energy and you're kind to someone who reaches for a melon before you do, it <laughs> really does make a difference. Yeah. You know, People are popping off on a plane right now on airplanes and going bonkers because they don't know what to do with their energy. Right. But if we set our energy, if we set our intention, if we visualize beautiful sparkling energy radiating from us, inviting the angels to join us on the journey mm -hmm. for the day, it literally does make a difference. And I know a lot of empaths and sensitive people probably listen to your show and, and follow all of our work and think, what am I supposed to do? The best thing you can do is be. Yeah. Be a light worker. Mm. Move energy. Bring brownies to your neighbor. You know, snip some roses from your yard and deliver them to a stranger. That does literally radiate and change the planet. And even just smile at, just the, smile. at the person who looks really stressed out in line at the... I always tend to to talk to people. My husband can't stand it. But anyway, like when I'm in the lineup, <laughs> he goes, why are you talking to all those strangers? Because that one looks yeah. really sad. Yeah. Right? And like, it's true. We can, it, it is that simple. Like what we do ourselves individually, many of us don't think any of it's going to count, but the smallest things count in the hugest ways. So here's what I'd love to do. Just before we go to my, our next section of the Wooniverse, I would love us to pull a card from your deck and say, what do the angels and the auras have to, because I feel like auras are also alive, right? I feel that they're living things. As I'm, I'm an animist, I think everything's alive. So uh, please uh, pull a card to say, what message do, do all of us need right now? All right. So the card that I... This is the first time we've done this. It Yay. is the first time. So there's, <laughs> Ooh, We're baptizing it on my show. Yay! Uh, the card that I pulled is Raziel Rainbow. Ooh, and the card says, enlightened, adaptable, soulful, and connected. And the card is upside right. Now, if it was upside down, we have the upside down shadow words, but that's not what I pulled. I pulled it upside right. So enlightened, adaptable, soulful and connected. And what I love about that from the aura perspective is when you see rainbow around someone, when you see multiple colors, mm -hmm. that means they get it. That means they understand that they're multifaceted. They can do multiple things. They can shift and transform their energy. It's the essence of enlightenment. 
So if we see beauty in everyone, that they can be whatever they want to be, they can be whoever they are. I mean, yes. isn't that just sort of like the secret of all? And isn't unity and diversity the point? Because isn't a rainbow represents diversity too, right? Yeah. This is beautiful. Okay, we're going to take a little break now. And when we come back, we're going to switch gears and enter into another dimension of the Wooniverse, the Tea Time After Party. So please stay with us. We'll be right back. Thanks for joining us today, and welcome back. With us today is Radley Valentine and Dougal Fraser. We are going to move along to this fantastic fun part. Not that this wasn't fun, but it's going to get even more fun. We're going to travel into another dimension of the Wooniverse, and it is called the Tea Time After Party. Connie Deletti is with us, my executive producer. Hi, Connie. Hey, Connie. Hey, everybody. Wow, what a conversation. I did not want to attend. (laughs) The best conversation (laughs) ever. Okay, so um, we're going to ask you some questions. I'm going to start. (laughs) Dougal, if you could have any animal as a pet, but it had to be the size of a mouse... What animal uh, animal would you choose? Well, I, well, can it be a small elephant? My first thought was yeah, an elephant. Yeah, it has to be the size can. of a mouse. I, I guess like a gerbil because they're no, cute. No, no, it could be fuzzy. any. You can make it up. Okay, then it's not an elephant. 100% an elephant. I have a weird fascination with elephants right now. I don't know why they call to me. They're playful. Maybe it's because I'm a big person. I don't know. I'm not just drawn to them, but it would be a tiny elephant. Done. A tiny elephant. I love that. What, what about you, Radley? Oh, I was thinking that for Dougal, it should be a giraffe because he's six foot seven. But he's six six. Let's not lie. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Okay. My, I'm prone to exaggeration. Um, <laughs> So any animal, no matter, oh God, I can't help myself. I'm still going to want a Sheltie. A Sheltie. <laughs> I'm still going to want a dog. That's my next dog. That's is my really? next dog. Bradley's oh, no. the Sheltie expert. I love, yes, I love tiny little Shelties though, but I do like the little ones. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> They're the best dogs ever. Your turn, Connie. Okay. So whoever would like to take this first, um, what's your go-to karaoke song? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Part of your... Is it part part of this world, Little Mermaid? Oh, of course, what, that's yeah, a great yeah, song. Yeah, yes. yeah, that's a great song. Yeah, yeah. and it, with real feeling. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> love that. Keep in mind, Colette and Radley can sing, so karaoke with them is a lovely time. Nobody wants me to sing. I'll just play tambourine in the background. Aww. But we would love to listen to you sing something from The Little Mermaid for sure. Okay, what about you, Rad? Let it go, let it go. Okay. <laughs> that's yes. what I'm going to say. The Frozen song. Or Tina Turner's Private Dancer, but that's like another song. Oh, yeah. well, that's another oh, great oh, one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this is funny. Okay, whoever decides to take this first, if you could have any job in the world, but it had to involve a costume, what job would you choose? And Radley, you can't say the same one that you have now because I know you wear very flashy clothes. I wear a lot of costumes, <laughs> but I would I would totally be, I would work at Disney. Oh, you would work at Disney? I would totally be a cast member at Disney. That was totally what I would do. I may still do that. Before. Who would you want to be? Who would you want to be if you could pick? Oh, Peter Pan. Of course you would. Right. Okay. Of course you would. Either that or Aladdin, but probably. Well, I've uh, okay. Either one. 
Okay, Dougal. If I had to wear a costume, my first thought was I've always wanted to work on like QVC and Radley will understand this or like one of those online uh, <laughs> selling shows like on TV. Yes. And that you have to dress up for that. But I just love the idea yes. of being three o'clock in the morning and it's your fourth cup of coffee and you've got to sell that toaster. Oh. Like no one has ever experienced a toaster in their life. Love and I just feel like that would be really fun. Yes, I agree. Well, I just need to give you an update of what is going on. We are getting very limited on this particular toaster. Now it comes in these four colors. Blue, pink, red is limited, and black is sold out. Sold out. So we only have 500 in the pink left. What? How much? Frank says we have 200 left in the red. Oh, my gosh. That would be lovely. Okay, if you could choose a celebrity to be your personal assistant, who would you choose? <laughs> have to be someone organized. <laughs> I don't care if he's organized or not. Christopher Hemsworth. Okay. I don't care if he can do anything. I don't care if he can do anything. I think it would need to be Oprah. Because first of all, I'd want her to say my name every morning. Oh, wow. It's Dougal Fraser. <laughs> a great way to start the day. She'd give me inspirational quotes. When I cry, she'd be close to me. We'd hug. We'd embrace. You know she smells so divine. Nice. You can yes. smell her now, can't you? Yes. You know she smells divine. <laughs> and I feel oh like if Oprah God. is your personal assistant, you must be doing something really well. And you might get a car. Exactly. You might get a car. <laughs> If you could have a superpower, but it had to be completely useless, what would it be? It had to be completely useless. I will say what? Go ahead, go ahead. I would like a, a superpower to make all the gooey foods and things like really awesome vanilla ice cream actually anti-aging regenerative medicine things so that I could have as oh, much girl. as... Girl, much we, as I like, and that would be my superpower. Girl, we are twins separated at birth because I was going to pick <laughs> eternal youth with permanent memory. So it's like, it's, oh, right? But that, yeah. You know, see, it's like, Skip the useful, ice cream. It's like, it's so much better than a facelift, which I feel like I need really badly. Oh, you know, it's like, like just no. stay young and beautiful, <laughs> but you know, to remember all the lessons of life, but that's actually really useful. Years, I was going to say, I want to be yes. a super taster. Do you know what a super taster <laughs> yeah. is? Yeah. So a super, super taster, taster is like you take a bite of a brownie and you're like, there's a hint of nutmeg, there's salt in here, there's also vanilla. Or it's those people that drink wine and they're like, I taste tobacco and rose petals. Who are those people? Oh but they're right. Yeah, but it's my right, sister, a super taster, a super taster. I think that could be kind of exciting. Yeah, yeah and that's not going to benefit anyone but me. Right. Oh, that is really <laughs> Really, really interesting. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Okay, that's great. One more. Connie, you give us the last one. Okay, this is one of our staples. You're banned from the library. Why? <laughs> I mean, I've been banned from many a library as a child, 100%. So I can answer this question. 100% for making noise. For making yeah, noise. Yeah, making noise. Okay. Library is for quiet people. I'm not a quiet person. All right. Hands down. There's probably a sign up of, of me on the back wall. This one's noisy. Done deal. Okay. But. That's hilarious. I, I'm banned because of what I write in the South. Oh. <laughs> it's a different kind of banned from the library. But if I was going to get banned right. from the library the way you actually meant, it would be from talking to Dougal in the library. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
Nice. Love it. That is funny. Well, thank you so much for joining us here. To learn more about Radley and his offerings, you can visit him at RadleyValentine.com. And to learn more about Dougal and his offerings, you can visit him at DougalFraser.com. And as always, you can find a transcript of this episode, quotes, all the links, and so much more on our show notes page. So go to ITWpodcast.com or click the link in this episode's description. Well, this was a barrel of laughs. So much fun. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining Thanks us. Thanks for having us. Super fun. Happy to be here. It was wonderful. So what did we learn from this fantastic conversation between Radley Valentine, Dougal Fraser, and myself? You know, I think what I came away with mostly was that we all had something in common outside of the fact that there are angels from hidden realms and dimensions helping us and outside of the fact that there is energy that we could see possibly or we could call in that correspond to colors but that if we bring more kindness and compassion to the world we really could make the world a better place until next time i'm colette baron reed be well time to share the way we love Become the ones we're dreaming of Inside the Wooniverse is a production of Wooniversal Network Studios. A special thanks to our recording engineer, Chris Dupuis, executive producer, Connie Deletti, story editor, Julie Fink, and audio post-production by Lonnie Carmichael. Original theme music written and performed by Michael Seifert at Summa Recording. Original music Truth Begins is by Colette Baron-Reed and Eric Ross. And all other music is courtesy of APM Music. Keep up to date on episode releases, giveaways, and special offers by signing up for Colette's newsletter at itwpodcast.com forward slash newsletter. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you join us next time for another episode of Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine.